0: Years ago, um, the disciples were, were, were walking with Jesus, and they're, they're cruising to the next town, right? And, and, and on the way there, they were arguing with each other. They were just going at it, man. They were just arguing. What were they arguing about? They were arguing literally about who's the best, Who's the greatest, all right? Who's, you know, who's Jesus' favorite, all right? Who's the most important one here? Who should be the leader, all right? Who, you know, who should be the greatest one and recognized as the greatest one among them all? They've just been seeing all kinds of just crazy miracles and crazy stuff happened, and this is what they came up with, right? <laughs> no, I'm better. No, I'm better. No, wait a second. I, I saw, no, 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 I'm better. And that was that was their scene. And as they were walking, all right. They came in, the, in, in Mark chapter nine verse thirty three. Father, this is your word, and we just give you the praise for it, and we pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would just fall fresh all over us, just would just would just lead us to an understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. And He says, as they came to Capernaum, um, and, and when He was in the house, they got to this house, right? And Jesus asked them, He goes, "What were you guys talking about on the way here? <laughs> what were you guys What were you guys talking about?" So, you know, I, he said this looking at verse 34. They kept quiet because they all the way there they were, they were arguing about who's the greatest. And nobody wanted to say it. Nobody wanted to mention that's what they were talking about. Not, you know, they had no problem while Jesus was way up there arguing about this, but when confronted with it, they didn't want to they didn't want to mention that because they started to realize how wrong their conversation was. And then Jesus Pretty cool. And Jesus, he sat down and he said, Come here. All right. In other words, he's just calm. He's just cool. He Jesus knows it all, right? He already knows what's happening. And he says, Come here, man. Come a little closer. Okay, a little bit closer. Ready? Come here. Come on, come on, come here, come here. Okay, right there. Wait, back up. Okay, right there. And he says, Come here. And he said to them, If anyone wants to be first, if anyone wants to be great, if anyone wants to be acknowledged as the the top cat in this crowd, he must be last of all and servant of all. Say servant with me. Come on. A servant of all, right? It just turned the whole leadership economy upside down. That's what Jesus did. And I want you to take a look at this word servant. I want us to, to look and focus on this word servant today. This 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 uh, this this interesting concept. A servant. Now, I don't do a lot of Greek teaching here, but but I, I want to share something with you this morning, and and it's the Greek word for servant, and it's diakonos, All right, I'm going to put it up there for you. You don't have to remember this word. All right, you don't have to write it down because you're probably not going to, you know, use it very much in sentences and in conversations around the dinner table and whatnot. All right, but but I do want you to to take a look at and consider and even remember the implications of this word diakonos. This this word, yes. It means servant, but it also, you see in the scriptures, it, says it comes up as the word deacon, and you also see in the scriptures that it'll come up as the word minister, and then deaconeo, basically another derivative of this word. You know, and one is serving, ministering, all right? Uh, uh, and so you, you see that a lot in here, and I want you to consider this because when we sign up, All right, with Jesus, when we sign up, all right, to to to, to give everything to pursue Christ, this is what is required. This is what is expected of you and me. And I don't know how we can read the scriptures, how we can search the life of Jesus and come up with anything different. Because when we become servants, All right, we become ministers, all right, literally ministers, servants, basically the same thing, all right, who pursue deep relationships with one another, who live with purpose and meaning, and who are committed to the service of others. All right, when when, when we pursue this word right here, when we pursue this understanding of this concept that Jesus is teaching right here, all right, we recognize that we are called to be servants who pursue deep relationships with one another. We're called to be servants who, who live with purpose and meaning. We're called to be servants who are committed to the service of others. Servants of a, of a higher calling, I'm gonna trip you out today, I believe the scriptures are gonna, gonna trip us out today because I believe the calling is higher than many of us might even think. It might, many, than, than, we, than we actually think. Well, we're servants of a higher calling. How? <laughs> Number one, by making it easier for people to know Jesus. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples. And broken that up, breaking that word disciple maker, and basically that phrase disciple maker in two, in two parts. We're making it easier for people to know Jesus because there's a lot of people that still don't know that they can actually know Jesus. And we're leading them into a growing relationship with Jesus and in effect, with one another, all right, because the closer I get to Jesus and the closer you get to Jesus brings us closer together, or at least it should, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it be? That's the way way I believe it was meant to be. So I'm going to pray, all right? I'm going to kind of review where we've been. We're in this this Ephesians series. Uh, and then I'm going to blast through some, some, some about five or six verses, all right, in, the, in, in our text today. and kind of sum that up, and I want to lead us back to this point of, of servant, okay? So, so let, let's pray. So Father, we just give you the praise. We give you all the honor and the glory, Lord God. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ um, that we could be students of your word today, that we could understand maybe how we have taken these concepts in your word and, and elevated them to areas that you've never called us to elevate them to and changed them and created our own context and understanding of them. But Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would just wipe the slate clean today and help us understand that this has always been your work and this is our job to witness it and to be witnesses of it. It's your work, Lord God, and our witness in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're 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 in this. I don't know if you if you haven't been here or um, you haven't been here for a while or whatever. Or if it's your first time, we're we're currently as a church we're going through the book of Ephesians. All right, it's a letter written in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. Uh, he wrote it from prison. He actually went through Ephesus years before, kind of planted this church, planted some leadership. All right, church started taking off. And now he sends this letter, not only to Ephesus for the church there, but also to share it to the other surrounding churches and even for our church as well. And what we learned so far is that we are redeemed. Number one, he begins that we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in that redemption, we are held onto by the Holy Spirit. This does not require... how how strong of a grip we have on Christ. We need to be holding on to Jesus, all right? But our grip is not dependent on our strength. It is dependent on his Holy Spirit. And we are actually, the scriptures say that we are guaranteed, all right, you know, by his Holy Spirit. And he has set that seal of approval on us. And then we talked, we shared, we saw a prayer that Paul kind of prays for the church. And from that, we said, well, maybe we should be praying for the church as well. So not only are we redeemed, but we also wanna pray for those who are also redeemed. And the church needs to be praying for the church. And then from that point, we went and we started talking. We realized that, that you know what—that some of us Christians are walking around. We have been raised from the grave, all right. That we have been resurrected, all right. This new life in Christ, all right. And and, and, and then but but some of us are still walking around with one foot in the grave. And we need to become we realize that He is making us fully alive in Him. That we have that we have by, by grace that we're saved, not of our works, but that He has made us fully alive. And then last week amazing sermon uh, by Pastor Justin as he shared what it means to be fully human. And I love the tagline. I kind of twisted it up for him. He's gonna get mad. But anyways, uh, I, I kind of said that, you know, he basically was telling us to be fully human is to have a vibrant relationship with the one who made you human. Amen. And there, is, and there is no true humanity apart from his church. And, and we're gonna pursue that thought right here. In, in Ephesians chapter three, verse one, I'm talking really, really fast because I want us to get somewhere. I will put the brakes on here in a minute. Let's do it right now. <laughs> Slow down, we'll breathe a little bit. All right, because <laughs> your hair, I saw, look at your hairs are flying back like this, all right? <laughs> like, dude, I know, I'm trying to get us someplace. <laughs> All right, so Ephesians chapter three. We're we're not exhausting every verse as we go through this book of Ephesians. Uh, I believe that God has called us for this particular study to certain points that he wants us to focus on as a church. As we discover what it looks like to have a firm foundation, the, the firm foundation of the church. You and I, we are the church, right? This is the school building, Right? It's actually owned by the state that is owned by God, um, and so, but, but you know, and, and so we, we have the privilege of being in here. But we we are the church, and, and the world needs to witness this church, because it's His work and our witness. Amen. Ephesians chapter three, beginning in verse one. I'm going to read through a few verses. Words are gonna be flying all over the place because you're going to be like, what in the world does this mean? All right, your homework, once again, this week will be to take these verses home, to study it, to check our work, to check your work, and to trust his work. I'll come back to that in a minute. Ephesians chapter three. No, actually, I did not have coffee, uh, as much as you may think. It actually had a cup of hot chocolate. And I think it's actually worse than having coffee, but anyways, all right. Ephesians chapter three, verse one. Speaking of this gospel, that review I just shared with you, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Paul was actually a prisoner of Nero, all right, the emperor of Rome, but he was there because of his witness of the work of God through the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ, all right? He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, you non-Jewish people, uh, this what, what that means. Assuming that you have heard the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, all right, this work that I'm, that I'm supposed to be, you know, uh, responsible for, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, he's kind of shared a little bit of that in the last chapter of Pastor Justin's sermon. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed 2,000 years ago at the time that he wrote this, and even now today, to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So to sum all this up right here, what he's actually talking about is he's talking about how the gospel has planted the church of Jesus Christ. And he's talking about how there was a group of people, the Jewish people who are God's chosen people for years and years and years and years before this, now this gospel and this, and God is, is actually brought those who are not Jews into the fold. And he's saying, we're not going to have a Jewish church and a non-Jewish church. There's only one body. And he's basically saying that the blood of Jesus Christ, all right, was what brings everyone, Jew and non-Jew alike to Jesus, to God. And because, like I said earlier, that which brings us to God, all right, will in effect bring us closer to one another. This was always trips me out, man. You know, when, uh, when I first started reading about the church back in the day when I was, you know, started reading the Bible, and I started reading about no divisions and stuff like this and just one church, and I look at the landscape and I see all the different churches and all the different arguments that are going on between them, and it just I was like, man, this, this does this cannot make God happy. This is a huge reason why we call this church the church. All right. <laughs> Ain't trying to get all crazy. All right. And so I'm not saying anything about anybody else who calls their churches different. That's fine. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Just hear what I am saying. Okay. It says in verse 6: So the mystery, so this this mystery, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, that's what we just talked about, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. All right? The death, the burial, the resurrection all right, of Jesus Christ. The gospel is what unites everyone. everyone is, you know, the, you know, every unites, there's no community like the church community. There is no community. I'm talking about the whole one church worldwide, one church that belongs to Jesus. There's no community like it. Every race, every every ethnic background, all right, is there. Every uh, social uh, social um, Social, uh, you know, uh, whatever com- communities, different social statuses or whatever, are all there. All right, economics, I, every economic, you know, uh, status or whatever, you know, whatever level you're at in economically, they're there. No matter what we might think that might separate us as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a species, as a, as a humankind. All right, in the church, there is no separation. There's only, there's only Jesus or not Jesus. All right, and if you're in the church, it's just Jesus. Right, it's pretty amazing. If we allow it, if we allow it, our greatest witness to the church, to the world, the greatest witness to the world is our love for one another in Jesus Christ. That's our greatest witness. You know, we, we have to recognize, I don't think that we think about this often enough because challenge, I'm gonna challenge you with the opposite of that. Our greatest cause of ineffectiveness is our lack of unity, which stems from our lack of obedience, which is a result of our lack of love. Our greatest cause of ineffectiveness on the planet is our lack of unity. And it stems from our lack of obedience. That is the result of our lack of love. I can prove it. Jesus said this the night that he actually, sh- that what, what Megan just shared in, 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 that, in that communion, that amazing communion talk of hers. I thought that was pretty dang awesome. All right. Uh, that very night after they had had, you know, uh, taken communion, after they had the Lord's Supper there, Jesus said to this, said this to him. Remember John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, a new commandment I'm giving you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. This was his command. This was his last command he, you know, uh, you know, before the cross. After the cross, he told us to go make disciples and show them what this looked like. All right. But, but before the cross, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just the same way that I am loving you and I have loved you and that, and that this is how I want you to love one another. Verse 35 says, by this all people, the world will witness that you are my disciples. If you love one another, his work and our witness, you know, they'll recognize that we're his disciples if we have love for one another. Jesus Christ himself, his work, he made us one by nailing our sin, nailing our debt to the cross, and rising from the grave. Amen. That's a great place for an amen. This is our witness. Back to Ephesians chapter three, verse seven, Paul goes on. He says, of this gospel, here we go. Here's our word. I was made a minister. Now I want you to say, say minister with me. Minister, minister, Minister. diakonos, that same word that Jesus used for servant. It's the same exact word. It was crazy, in ancient Greek uh, classical literature, they would use that, that word uh, for, um, for a waiter that was just basically at the beck and call of, 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 of the patrons, of, of those they were serving. He's using the same word here. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister, a servant, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working Of his power. He said, I was made a servant. And I believe this work is our work because we were made servants. We were made, you know, deaconos. We were made these ministers of God's word. And, and I love the fact that, you know, when, when, he says this, because, you know, so often, you know, time, we get this twisted. Leadership in the world, in the church has got that, 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 that title and position twisted. And we, 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 we're, we're like the disciples on that road with Jesus arguing about who's a greater minister. I'm a minister up here. And we put minister, 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 minister. When Jesus says, no, turn it upside down, man. Because minister, minister, minister is way down here. Because, because every, how can you serve you know, people that, are, but that you are you know, basically declaring beneath you? You need to get underneath them so that you can lift them up. Amen? This is the church. This is our work. This is what it means to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what he says right here. And we and we get this all twisted. Jesus, man, was kicking it one day, right? And John and James, right? Two of his, his main dudes right there, their mom comes to talk to Jesus. Jesus, is like, really? You send your mom? Really? Seriously? Right? <laughs> their mom comes and talks to Jesus. And it's like, they're like, she's like, hey, man, can, you know, in the kingdom, you know, when you're up there, everything's all said and done, can my boys sit at one of your left and one at your right? I don't know if John was like, yeah, tell them, Mom. You know what I mean? James was like, you know, or they were like, Mom, seriously? (laughs) Seriously, Mom? You know what I mean? (laughs) You got to go tell Jesus that? Yeah, I don't know what the case might have (laughs) been. Or if they're the ones that put her up there, Mom, would you go? You know what I mean? I don't know. But Jesus' response is is just, again, it's just, again, solidifying what we're talking about right here, or we're solidifying what, anyways, it's just confirming, and I believe we're confirming what he said, but... Wow, maybe I get that all twisted up, but he said this, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Jesus called them and said, look, check this out. Let me call you guys over here. Come a little closer. Get, to go. get over here. Come closer. come closer, come closer. Okay, that's enough. You know that the rulers are the Gentiles. They, they, they lord it over them. That's how they rule. And the great ones exercise authority over them. But it's not gonna be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, the acanael? you want to be great in this world? Jesus is saying, you want to be great in this world? Serve the world. Serve the world. And you're like, wait a second, what? Hold on a second. He says, whoever will be first among you must be your slave. Verse 28, huge verse. Even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Is that how you look at? Being a minister, when you look and consider ministers in the church, is that how you know? Are are you looking to climb a ladder? Are you are you looking to see them climb a ladder? You're like, yeah, look at them way up there. No, man, you should be able to see your 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 ministers eye level, and even bowing down. Jesus said. I didn't come to be served, but to serve, give his life, give my life for a ransom of many. Ephesians chapter three, verse seven of this grace, I was made a minister. I was made a servant. He says, according to the gift of God's grace, because we're looking at it like, okay, I don't know if I got that in me to, 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 to. You know, to do that, I don't even know if I'm good enough to do that. I was talking to some amazing uh, 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 you know, homies of mine here in the church, and it was funny because they were they were in they were they were in service and they are watching as people come in and 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 don't act like you've never done this. All right, <laughs> they're like, mm, what are they, what is she doing here? really? What is he doing here? <laughs> As if, you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> they're having this conversation and then it came to them. They looked at each other and go, wait, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> why why do we get to be here? Are you kidding me? It is the gift of his grace, amen? Because by grace, you have been saved. Not of your works, all right? Lest anyone would boast. But by his grace, that every one of us are even here because you know what? According to our standards, which sometimes seem to be way higher than God's, obviously, we should—you know—shouldn't be here. He says, I was made a minister according to the gift of his grace. We are given this work of service according to his grace and, and also by the working of his power, all right? By the working of his power. I mean, I've had people come to me so so often and maybe sometimes when you tell people about Jesus, you know, you feel they're, they're, they're connecting with you in a way that is just amazing. You're like, I, I can't believe some of the words that are coming out of my mouth. You ever talk to somebody like that? And you're like, you can't believe these words that are coming out of your mouth. Like, I didn't even know I knew that, all right? And I'm just, and you're saying, and stuff that's just amazing, all right? That is the working of his power that is within you, his Holy Spirit. I've had people come and they say, man, you are preaching right to me, man. This is so awesome. No, I'm not. This is the working of his I don't have a clue what's going on in your life. Some of you, I got cameras on, okay? But others, I mean, we're not, I mean, I don't know. It's not me. It's not how great, you know, I could be. It's just as the working of his power. This is what Paul was saying. Don't lift me up, lift him up. Amen. It's by his grace and his power that we're equipped for this ministry, that you're equipped for this ministry. Paul's ministry, well, I want you to own this right here. Paul's ministry, Paul's service is our service, which was Jesus's service to talk, like you really believe this, this gospel to, to live and like you own, like you own this position, uh, this gospel life and, and, and to be the church, like you really believe this gospel. I believe number one, we need to be able to talk on purpose and he's gonna lead us to this. We need to talk on purpose because we get to be here. We should be telling everyone else about here. I'm not talking about the space. I'm talking about this position in, in front of a holy and mighty God. And we should be talking about how they can be here too. Look what Paul says in verse, in verse eight. He says, to me, though I'm the very least of the saints, you ever feel like that? All right, join the club. This grace was given to preach, to proclaim, all right, to communicate this good news, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And you're like, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a preacher. I, I believe you are. I believe every one of you here, every one of you preach. And you're like, what? No, 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 no. Has anybody here ever told anybody else about a good movie? No, I'm serious. Has anybody here ever told, man, you've got to see this movie. And then, and then boom, this, and then this, and then this, and boom, boom, boom. Anybody here? Anybody here ever told anybody about a good restaurant? You know what I mean? You need to try this. Oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? It was so awesome. All right? Has anybody ever, you know, told anybody, uh, you know, a good story? Has anybody ever told anybody, you know, about you to go outside and look at the sunset? I mean, has anybody ever done that? And we got some amazing sunsets here. Has anybody ever said, man, you need to go outside. Check this out. This is amazing. Why? Because we know that the movie, if they just go to the movie, it's going to speak for itself. If they go to the restaurant, it's going to speak for itself. If they go and look at the sunset, it's going to speak for itself. Amen. Why are we so hesitant to share the greatest news ever? You're already a preacher. You already communicate good news. You already do this. All right I know why? Because we think that if we're supposed to tell everybody bad news, right? dude you're just all going to hell. <laughs> Later, you know what I mean, <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Have fun. You know, we think that, and nobody wants to do that. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to tell them the good news. Man, imagine the stories that you could tell if you just took this seriously, if you took God seriously, his grace and his working power to communicate this gospel. In the 1600s, there was this guy, his name was uh, uh, Donald uh, Cargill, all right? Cargill, basically, and and, and he lived at a time when uh, the king of Scotland, basically, was... um, he was declaring himself all right, he was declaring himself the head of the church. And Cargo he just did not see that. He's like, no, I, I can't swear allegiance to that claim. All right, and there was also a group of people called the Covenanters, basically, uh, of, of these, these guys that were like, you know they, they were not swearing allegiance to that claim, all right, either, because they truly believed that and, and, and would die on that hill that Jesus Christ himself is even the head of church today. 1,600 years later, after the death, burial, and resurrection, he is still head of the church. And that was their claim to fame. I mean, not fame, but that was their claim and Cargill would basically, he tried to kind of bring the two groups together, the king and and, and, and and the covenanters, but the king treated them so rawly and so inhumanely that he says, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm joining these guys. And he strapped on a sword. He strapped on a sword, man. And he tried to make peace, but what happened? So he joined them, man. And the and, and this is where he started running campaigns of, of, of preaching in open spaces mixed with guerrilla warfare. Seriously, because it was a dangerous thing, right? And these guys, they would have to meet in secret when they would talk and they would kind of plan the way, the way they were going. And, and you know, he fought a bunch of times. One time he got really severely injured and he, you know, then he actually retreated into the Netherlands and kind of you know, nursed his wounds and came back into the fight. One time he was with a guy, um, what was the guy's name? Henry Hall in 1680. And, and, and they, they had kind of retreated to this inn. And you know, and they, they weren't there to discuss plans. They were just there to just enjoy one another's company. And as they're sitting in this inn, this nobleman walks in. Right? And he sees them there. And he says, you mind if I, you guys want to share, would you mind sharing a, a glass of wine with me? They said, sure, have a seat. So he sits down, and after they finish the wine, he stands up, pulls his road, and whoops out his sword, and he was actually, he was a governor, all right? His name was uh, Middleton. He was a governor there. And he pulled out his sword and he was going to arrest these guys. They jumped up, pulled out their swords. He stabs Cargill, all right, injuring him like crazy. And he's and he like he drops him and he's barely trying to call get away. And he's still trying, you know, and then he they they he is fallen, so they go after Henry and they start just, just slamming him. And that guy comes up behind him, hits him with the butt of his sword, and he falls, and they actually kill him. Cargill escapes barely with his life. Later, he's walking, he's not walking, he's actually crawling in this alley, and this woman. That sees him, she tears off her clothes. Didn't tear off her clothes. She tore off, she tore a piece of her clothes off. Sorry. What? Sorry. Er, put the brakes on, bro. Sorry, man. She tore a piece of her clothing off to wrap up his wounds. All right. <laughs> See, it's all you guys are going to remember now in this whole sermon, all right? And she wraps up his wounds and she takes them to this house of this family. And they actually, uh, they, 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 they start washing his wound. They call for a surgeon. The surgeon comes, all right, and, 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 and sutures him up. And within a few hours, he's able to stand again and he splits to a neighboring town, I forget the name, and uh, he starts preaching again. And he takes his money, he, has, he had a bunch of money on him, he took the money, starts feeding the poor. Within within hours, the next day, being the poor. Within, within by, 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 I think sometime later that day, he's standing on this hill in this town, preaching out of the book of of Hebrews. His clothes are still blood stained, right? And he just kept on preaching, and he kept on just running around preaching, man. And they they kept trying to trap him, and 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 they 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 they, they, they you know they didn't they couldn't trap him. They tried to trick him and and capture him. For the next year, it wasn't until a year later that they finally captured him. And it was crazy because he was on his way, all right, to the hangman's noose. And everybody was tripping because he looked happy. He didn't look like the rest of the guys that go to the hangman. He looked happy. His last recorded words are this right here. The Lord knows I go on this ladder with less fear than I ever entered the pulpit to preach. Cargo says, preaching the gospel is scary. But you guys ain't got to worry about somebody running a sword through your gut. Woman tearing her clothes off in the holly. You ain't got to worry about none of that. All right? <laughs> Just go with it, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? You ain't to worry about none of that. I know. It's tough. But, to, but here's what I, I want to say. But to, to doubt yourself in this area is to have trusted only in yourself when it comes to sharing the gospel. If you are doubting yourself and in, in sharing Jesus, then you're trusting only in yourself. You're a communicator of good news. You are, every one of you are, you've already you do it. All right, and now you have the best news as well as the working power to share it. Communicate it, man. And then I need, you need to, to live on purpose, all right? Yeah, you, you need to talk on purpose because you have the greatest news on the planet, but you also need to live on purpose, all right? Because your life is a light and people are gonna look over your shoulder. Whenever you start to share this good news, they're looking over your shoulder, they're looking at your life to see if you actually believe this. Your life needs to light up the place. Look what he says in verse eight. He says, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Your life needs to turn on a light. Too often, I share this with you often, where we're, we're so quick to curse the darkness, but how many of us are ready to turn on the lights? Your life is that light. Last Wednesday, the lights went out. You remember? I don't know, maybe, not, up here on Lakeside, anyways, uh, there was a major storm in the middle of the night. Woke us up. My, I mean, me and Debbie were like, what the heck? It was like this hail was just beating. We have a metal roof. So it was like, man, it was like, what? It was like crazy. And, I was, you know, and I was, it got me kind of concerned. I thought, man, is this, what about our car? Are we have car, our cars out there? Is it getting damaged? Is it breaking windows? And I go, I get up to look, and I was going to start walking out from my bedroom. I started walking, and all of a sudden, the lights went out. And I'm like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Cause it's pitch black, it's pitch black, you know. And I know my house pretty well. I could have made it through, all right. But one time I thought I knew my house real well, and I was walking to the bathroom in pitch black, and I, and I didn't realize that my bedroom door was kind of halfway closed. And I'm walking, boom, right in the that that not the door, right in the door, no problem. That edge, whoo, if you see a light. <laughs> There's a light that goes off. You're like, where did that come from? You know what I mean? This is, you know, bam, smack that thing. I'm walking, all right? And I'm just trying to be real careful, all right? I'm walking, and I'm coming up to my stairs because my bedroom's upstairs. I'm getting ready to start walking downstairs. The light goes on, bam. Woo, feel good about that. Downstairs, no problem, all right? Go downstairs, walk outside, see what's happening. The cars are good. Big old hail like this, right? but so many people are comfortable walking in the dark now and they're surrounding us and we're surrounded by them. And your life is a light that just shines the glory of Jesus Christ. And if we would just walk into the room and let that light shine and just, just light up the place for his glory, That's what people can see. Wow, you're pretty shiny. I'm not shiny. He's shiny, and he's shining in me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's what he's telling us to do right here. Gabe Lyons, I got a quote for him up here, right? Because you got to have a quote, all right? If you strive to be faithful to Christ, your life will paint a picture of what every human soul is longing for. Purpose, belonging. Identity, recognizing that I'm not here because I'm here. I'm here because he's here. So we need to talk on purpose and we need to live on purpose and we need to purposely be the church. Ephesians chapter three, verse 10 says this, so that the church, this is where it gets weird, all right, kind of crazy. So that the through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Basically, he's saying we are called for something greater than our own individual sanctification and our own individual salvation, all right? Angels are interested in what's going on with our church. Angels are actually learning about the wisdom of God and the work through, through the work of God through our church. It's his work and, it, and it's our witness. You're like, oh, this is kind of crazy. Well, you know what? This whole thing is crazy, all right? God is you know supernatural. It's funny how many of us limit our belief in the supernatural only to the Trinity. We don't think that there's anything more supernatural out there, but we'll talk about ghosts. We'll talk about weird, creepy things. The life of the church is more important important than you might think. Angels are looking in on this and God's intention is to teach them and we're like, teach them what? All kinds of stuff apparently, but what I do know is what is the unconditional pursuit of love, what the unconditional pursuit of love, God's love for us can accomplish and lead us to. Let me ask you this. What do you think some of these? Because these angels are watching right now, they're watching right now, twenty four seven. This is a real, true statement here, man. And we're going to talk later on in the series. We're going to get real, real crazy with this and we'll freak you out, all right? Because you know, anyways. And I'll, I'll get there. I'm, I want to give up some of that stuff right now because it's real fun. But uh, I want to ask you a question: What do some of the what do what do you think some of the angels are thinking right now? Or the angels are thinking as they watch your walk? and your community in the church. What are they learning from you right now? Like dang, (laughs) what are they learning? Because they're watching you they're watching me and God is trying to teach them a lesson through us. Last Friday night, I believe we taught them a lot. It was pretty amazing. I don't know if you guys were here for the night of worship out in the backyard. Insanely cool so awesome it was freezing yeah praise the lord amen it was freezing but nobody cared well maybe some of you cared all right (laughs) because you're like (laughs) a blanket you're looking like this all right nobody you know i thought it was amazing the unity and just worship and word that's all it was worship and word worship and worship is amazing all right pretty dang awesome praise the lord amen I'm out of time, and I need to just tell you, I just need to bring this home real quick. What I want you to do about all of this, because this is a lot, I definitely, I, you know, I'm, I want you to read through this, because there's more, all right, but I want you to recognize, look at verse, verse 11, 12, and 13, check this out. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, all right, basically he had created, not just like he found out, but he had, the word realize means created. This is what he had in mind 24-7, not just a night of worship together, but 24-7 worshiping together. In whom we have boldness, access, and access with confidence through our faith in him. To own the position of servant and minister. So the three things that we just talked about is what we need to pursue, and that is to, to talk on purpose. You got good news? You got the greatest news right here. Share that good news. Share all the good parts first, okay? And then to live on purpose. Be the light. Your life is a light. Turn it on. Quit turning it off. Don't allow anybody or anything in this world to turn that light off. And three to... Purposely be the church. Don't go to church. Don't look for a church. Be the church. Amen? Can we do that? He finishes with verse 13, didn't finish, continues later. We'll, we'll, we'll go on with the letter next, next week more. Don't lose heart of what I'm suffering because this is for your glory. In other words, I ain't suffering, he says. So, what I want you to do is take Ephesians chapter three, verses one through 13, our text for today. I want you to read that this week. Let that be your text for this week. And again, the three things, check our work, what we just talked about. Check your work. What do you think about this? And trust his work. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen.